Welcome into the 5 o'clock hour of this Friday edition of News on the Hill. I'm News Director Brighton McConnell, substituting for Andrew Stuckey on this fine Friday. We've got some sunshine poking through the clouds. That is so great to see after such an overcast day. A full weekend weather forecast still to come, as well as our Stroman on Sports Conversation and Art Chansky's Sports Notebook. Be sure to stay tuned for all of that, but we have lots of news to dive into. We begin with news that has developed this afternoon from the Carborough Police Department saying that they are looking into a reported and attempted sexual assault that happened last night. Uh, police responded around 1130 to a female victim who said that she was approached by an unknown male between the Main Street parking deck and Cat's Cradle. This was in the 300 block of East Main Street. The male attempted to sexually assault a female before she was able to get away the uh, again the the male suspect not somebody that she recognized or knew and now police are doing their best to look for the suspect they're asking any potential witnesses who were in the area of 300 east main street between 10:45 and 11:30 last night to get in touch with investigators we do have contact information for them on our article on chapelboro.com and in the meantime police are recommending anybody who is walking in that area late at night to be mindful of their surroundings surroundings, walk in groups if possible, and call 911 if you don't feel comfortable. Some other news from last night, the Durham Public Schools pay saga took its latest step as its Board of Education did indeed vote to cut back on some of the pay raises that had been given to their classified staff members. It's been about six weeks since those staffers who hold positions like cafeteria workers, janitors, bus drivers, and physical therapists saw their raises withdrawn after they realized uh, there was an incorrect budgeting done by the public school district there. Last night, the board voted 5-2 to two to give 11% raises to ni- nearly 1,900 classified staff members for the rest of the school year, but that does represent less than what they had initially been given before Durham realized they were $9 million short in their budget in order to make that happen. Uh, so this issue certainly not going away. Durham Public Schools are set to meet with the county commissioners to talk about budgeting priorities very soon, and they will also have a proposal for next school year's salaries brought to them by March 21st. School funding, of course, a top issue in North Carolina over the last few years, and a landmark case regarding that was back in the headlines yesterday. The state Supreme Court conducted oral arguments on the latest challenge to the Leandro School funding case. Justices did not decide to make an immediate ruling Thursday, but they are tasked with deciding whether the court system has the power to dictate how the legislature uses its funding. That's what's being discussed this time. A 2022 ruling, of course, on the original ruling from 1990, that determined that North Carolina needed to spend millions and millions of dollars more in order to allow all children the right to a sound basic education. While school funding advocates held briefing after held briefings afterward, uh, highlighting their arguments and their side of the case, there were some Democratic groups who issued statements yesterday under the impression that the Republican-led Supreme Court will be voting against the ruling and not requiring hundreds of millions of dollars to be allocated to school funding. Now, it's not just primary education that Republican lawmakers have influenced since taking the General Assembly's majority back in 2010. Since that time, many people around UNC's campus have said that they now feel increased pressure or influence from state lawmakers in campus operations. This has caused some professors, students, and staff to pull back from talking about political issues. We recently hosted a panel of UNC guests to talk about this and uh, the chilling effect that has followed 
followed from the shift in governance philosophy. 97.9 The Hill Sierra Pfeiffer has this story on that conversation. I think a lot of students have noticed something has shifted in the university and they want to do something about it. That's Lauren Rhodes, a sophomore and the editor of UNC's independent newspaper, The Daily Tar Heel. Her job is to write and report on university news and often involves talking to people working at all levels at UNC, which is a task she said has become increasingly challenging. We've noticed a very large change, at least on the university desk, about whether faculty are willing to talk to us, whether they feel like they're allowed to talk to us, and when they do talk to us, whether they feel like they can say what they want to say. In the last few years at UNC, donors have affected plans to offer tenure to Nicole Hannah-Jones, and faculty shared concerns that their emails were being searched afterward as a means of retaliation. More recently, state lawmakers stepped in to help create the School of Civic Life and Leadership, and the Supreme Court struck down UNC's admissions policies over affirmative action. In fact, even for this panel as part of the Forum on the Hill, nine potential guests declined to join— citing a lack of comfort. Rhodes was joined by Mimi Chapman and Chris Lundberg, each professors at UNC. Chapman is a professor at the School of Social Work and served as the chair of the faculty from spring 2020 to June 2023. She said the effect of external forces is what motivated her to start the Coalition for Carolina, a group trying to prevent partisan politics and governance overreach from seeping into daily operations at the university. Now, I think faculty often thought and felt that administration was making choices that they weren't necessarily in accord with. But I don't think they recognized the sort of bind that administrators were in. And for a long time, that was sort of happening behind the scenes. Lundberg, who is the vice president of UNC's Department of Communication, chaired the Committee on Academic Freedom and Free Expression, formed by Kevin Guskowitz in January 2023. He said he wants UNC stakeholders to understand that Carolina works best with, quote, more self-governance. I think the best thing for UNC is to send to its stakeholders, that's the broader public, the legislature and the board, that it has a good faith commitment to founding the elements of its charter, which are to serve the state, to prepare people for democracy, etc. And then to say the best way to do that is to, to the greatest extent possible, allow it its autonomy. It's not just professors and faculty members who feel less comfortable talking about political issues. System-wide research supports the idea that some students are concerned about expressing their sincere opinions about political topics in the classroom. Lundberg said the survey is one of the reasons why he believes in the mission of the School of Civic Life and Leadership. If you can't add a public university when a group of folks who are talented, educated, etc., have a conversation that is meaningful within the space of a classroom about these issues, then how in the heck do we, you know, think that we could ever have a meaningful democratic political discourse where there are no constraints? Rhodes said she believes some of her professors have done a good job fostering that discourse. My audio journalism professor last semester made us all sit in a circle and talk about the conflict between Israel and Hamas. Really mm-hmm. hot topic the day after the news broke. And all we were talking about was what the responsibility to report on it looked like if we were real journalists in the field, right? Not about it politically. And that was a really safe conversation that I appreciated. Chapman said Rhodes' experience in the classroom is an example of what is going well on campus. She said freedom of speech and academic expression still exist despite the undercurrent of political influence. 
I think we sometimes overstate. I mean, the polarization is real, and you see it in the media, and you see it in the most extreme examples. But in terms of people's day-to-day life, I think people are really getting along and doing good work most of the time. Rhodes, Chapman, and Lundberg all agreed they're optimistic that conversations like this panel will set the tone for other expressions on campus and benefit the university as a whole. For 97.9 The Hill, I'm Sierra Pfeiffer. We continue to learn more details and hear community conversation about a fatal crash that happened on January 21st uh, on East Barbie Chapel Road and North Carolina 54. Of course, that crash killed UNC student Mary Rotunda, but since then, 10 other people have been charged either stemming from the crash, speeding around the crash, and underage drinking. Chapel Hill Mayor Jess Anderson recently spoke with 97.9 The Hill about that tragic event. She also shared some resources and talked about how incidents like this impact a college town. It's just such a tragic situation. Our hearts go out to Molly's family. Um, I think the most important point right now is just that we want all of our young people to be safe. You know, whether they're from here or they have come here for school, every parent should be able to expect their kids to come home from college. And it's just really awful anytime one mistake around alcohol and driving leaves a family without their child. We, we have resources on campus and through our town crisis counselors for those who may be struggling with loss or trauma related to this event. And of course, the town always encourages parents and our students to talk to each other about how important it is to stay safe around alcohol use and driving. Um, it, you know, it hits our community hard. And as a parent, of course, myself, but just really wanting the best for all of us. It's it's just a hard thing. And I think um, I think what I'm hearing from the community is just a real sense of sorrow that that something we hate to see happen has happened again. Once again, that's Chapel Hill Mayor Jess Anderson speaking there. If you want to hear that full conversation from yesterday, be sure to go to our News on the Hill section of chapelboro.com. Our full look at 5 o'clock traffic coming up in a moment, but flagging a traffic story for next week in Carborough. Remember, Jones Ferry Road is going to be fully closed starting Monday morning from Old Greensboro Road to Old Fayetteville Road. This is because North Carolina's Department of Transportation is doing work there all week, not opening it up overnight. It is going to be closed all week. NCDOT is set to repair the road's shoulders, which have been damaged by erosion from University Lake. A guided detour is going to take road users from Jones Ferry Road to Old Fayetteville Road, then Hatch Road and Greensboro Road before getting to North Carolina 54. So definitely going to be a bit of a roundabout way to get there. Be sure to check out our story on chapelboro.com or the town of Carborough's website in order to get that detour and make plans for next week. And time now for our look at sports. It is an action-packed weekend for Tar Heel Sports with nine programs in action today and even more playing over the weekend. It all got started with swimming and diving there into, I believe, the third day of the ACC championships over in Greensboro. The women's team in fifth, the men's team in sixth. Uh, Let's hope that they have improved those spots throughout the action today. Right now, we have a couple of programs playing UNC softball off to a fantastic start in their game against Lipscomb. Scum up 9-3 to three in the bottom of the third right now and threatening with a runner on as well. Right after that game is finished, they'll be playing again, taking on George Washington in Anderson Stadium. Meanwhile, UNC women's tennis also underway. They are on the road at Florida State, up one nothing after 
winning the doubles match and into their singles matchups. It does look like at the moment uh, the Tar Heels are in good shape. Fiona Crawley leading her match, uh, Carson Tangi League leading hers, but a couple of other well, a couple of other UNC players in some trouble. So we could be in for a good tennis match down in Tallahassee. Uh, the Tar Heels, uh, number eight in the country, maybe being a little challenged by Florida State. Still to come today, UNC baseball taking on East Carolina at the Bosch. That's a big game. Those teams both good, and it is the first game in a traveling series. Tomorrow, UNC will play the Pirates in Fayetteville and then they'll go to Greenville for the final game in the series on Sunday. Still to come tonight in Chapel Hill as well, wrestling's senior night. They take on Duke in Carmichael Arena starting at 7 o'clock. We also are just underway in Charlottesville as women's lacrosse is taking on number 15 Virginia and women's gymnastics still to come later tonight too. They're on the road at Clemson for a meet starting at 7.30. Last night, it sure was a busy night around Carmichael Arena as the UNC women's basketball team hosted number 6 NC State, and the Tar Heels knocked off the Wolfpack with one of their most complete performances of this calendar year. The 80-70 to win was driven by a huge game from Lexi Donarski. She poured in 23 points thanks to some hot shooting, but she wasn't alone. Four other Tar Heels scored in double figures, and some of that came from the bench. UNC's bench outscored the Wolfpack's 23-5. to That was certainly a game-changer, and that production helped keep NC State at arm's length in the final quarter to help put it out of reach. Here's how the game sounded as it came to a close with Matt Krause on the call for the Tar Heel Sports Network. Time will tick away. And for the fourth time in five years, Carolina reminds the folks from Raleigh that North Carolina is the Tar Heel State for a reason. Tar Heels 80, number six NC State 70. And the Wolfpack puts the L in Wolfpack for just the fourth time this year. Wolfies muzzled, Tar Heels win. Matt Krause really dialed up with that final call there as UNC women's basketball wins their third game in a row. They take that momentum on the road to the conference-leading Virginia Tech Hokies. That game, huge for the Tar Heels, will tip off at 4 o'clock on Sunday. The men's team will also be traveling to Virginia and also tipping off at 4 o'clock, but that game against the University of Virginia will be tomorrow afternoon. Big matchup with ACC standings implications there as well. Uh, When it comes to Charlottesville and John Paul Jones Arena, though, it's been a house of horrors lately for Carolina. They have not won at Virginia since 2012. And here's what UNC head coach Hubert Davis said the Tar Heels need to do if they want to break that drought. I mean, we always want to dominate points in the paint through post penetration, offensive rebounding, and that's consistent with whomever we play. And, you know, our persistence of, of attacking the paint and living there living at the free throw line uh, that's that that's what we're going to have to do whether it's in a half court or um, in transition and so Virginia obviously is a great defensive team and we've got to find um, a number of ways to be able through uh, to get the ball to the paint get the ball to the basket you know with Armando with our guards in transition attacking the glass offensively uh, the free throw lines, bitch, has been a huge key for us. It's, you know, we get to the free throw line more than anybody in ACC. And so that's a big part of our offense. And that's something that we'll try to do successfully against uh, a really good Virginia team. Once again, that is UNC head coach Hubert Davis speaking. Their coverage of that game will begin at 2.30 tomorrow with countdown to tip off before it tips off itself at 4 o'clock.